I want to take a moment and uh, uh, just say Merry Christmas to everybody. I know not everyone will be able to make it on Thursday night, so this is the Christmas Sunday, so this is a great opportunity for us just to celebrate God's faithfulness and his blessing to us. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning, and hopefully this maybe even could become a part of your uh, family tradition. In fact, that's what I kind of see Thursday night as being. Uh, Thursday night will be an opportunity for us to celebrate corporately uh, the Savior coming to the earth. And that, again, will be at 6 o'clock. And it's primarily going to be a musically-based service. It will in involve a little bit of uh, teaching, preaching, but it, it will be primarily music-based. I promise to keep it to an hour max. So some of you have certain traditions and things that you do on Christmas Eve. You'll still be able to do all those things because we'll be done by 7 o'clock. But uh, I can't think of a better way to usher in Christmas than to enjoin your family with others who have come to worship. Uh, so we invite you to be a part of that. So as I was preparing for today, my mind was just kind of going back to some of my memories of Christmas going, growing up in my mom's home. And my mom did a great job of involving us in the church. And I will say that most of the memories that I have of Christmas are related to church. Uh, certainly, we had some memories where uh, we were gathered around a Christmas tree on Sunday morning. It was a nice thing to be able to do that. But really, most of the memories I have of Christmas are centered around church, whether it was getting ready for a youth convention. Usually, the Wesleyan Youth Conventions started right after Christmas, and we were done before New Year, so it was in between that little window, so Christmas was the day we were already getting ready for our trip. Or it was out Christmas caroling with the church. Uh, and actually, I remember the pastor that we grew up under, uh, he was a very wise man and he knew what he was doing. Actually, um, I wonder sometimes if me being in ministry isn't partially because of the things that he did. Uh, we would go and we would deliver fruit baskets to the seniors as a part of our Christmas caroling. And of course, we would sing songs, but each year at each house or at each nursing home, he would have me read the Christmas story. The only thing was he wouldn't let me use the Bible, which meant he expected me to memorize the scriptures. So from Luke chapter two, I was forced. They, they made me do it. And I know they tell you, you're not supposed to force kids to do anything. Man, it was probably one of the best things they could have done for me. Because I learned the Christmas story, and I could probably quote it for you word for word today. I'm not going to do that. Uh, we're going to actually use the entire Christmas story on Thursday night. But as I remembered my childhood, I recognized that Christmas was never about anything other than the birth of a Savior. And that's the way it still is today. I understand that it may not always look that way in our culture, but Christmas has always been about Jesus Christ. So today I, I'm obviously going to wrap up the Christmas sermon series that we've been in for the past four weeks. The series has been entitled White Noise, as so many people today have missed out on exactly what we're talking about, the real meaning of Christmas. We see Christmas as tradition, as a season of doing good, a season of shopping, a season of caroling, and all sorts of other things. But all of these things, although they are good things, they are secondary to the true meaning of Christmas. All of them would be considered good, but they are secondary to Christ. 
This season is about a Savior who came to dwell among men and women. This is about a Savior penetrating the hearts of individuals and granting them hope, peace, purpose, and value. This is about an incredible gift from God to us. And of course, there are many characters in the Christmas story that are significant. We've looked at many of these already. For example, I think of Mary and Joseph. I think of John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, although often we don't consider her a part of the Christmas story, although she clearly is. I think of the wise men. And in each case, these individuals are aware that something significant is happening yet they probably underestimate the immense significance of the occasion. Well, today I want us to look at some others who were a part of this story, and their story is found in Luke chapter 2. Again, that's where the Christmas story primarily uh, is found, and I won't read it in its entirety, but again, we will on Thursday night. Uh, actually, all 20 verses on Thursday night. Today, I want to begin reading at verse 8 in Luke chapter 2, so I invite you, if you haven't turned already, to listen. This is what it says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now within this section of the story, we see two groups of characters we see angels and we see shepherds. I want to talk about each for just a moment. It has been said that angels are the least understood characters in the scriptures. Throughout the 66 books of the Bible, there are only three of them who are mentioned by name. Yet there are many occasions where we see God sending angels to either deliver a message or to protect God's people. It should be noted that these angels are not gods. They are created beings who worship the one true living God while also being called upon to serve him. They're not humans who have earned their wings or a halo, although that is what culture tells us today. Instead, they are created beings. Yet according to Luke 20, they will not die. Much like us following the resurrection, we will never have to fear death again. We see them on various occasions in the Old Testament. In Genesis 18, there are three angels or messengers who appear to Abraham with a promise that Sarah will have a son. Later in Genesis 22, it is the angel of the Lord who calls out to Abraham when he is about to sacrifice his son. And in Numbers 22, we see the angel of the Lord opposing a prophet an evil prophet named Balaam. And in Judges 6, it is an angel who speaks to Gideon, calling him to lead the people of Israel. In the books of Daniel, Isaiah, and in Revelations, we see angels also in the act of corporate worship. And specifically in Revelation, we see angels who serve to bring about the final judgment upon humanity. But 
on this occasion, we see them as doing nothing more than proclaiming the greatest news humanity has ever received. The angel Gabriel has already been mentioned in the Christmas story. Remember, he was the one who showed up with Mary. He was the one who even showed up to speak with Joseph. The angel Gabriel has already been talked about bringing hope to Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph. And now we see what appears to be a choir of angels. They begin with a great declaration and then break out into song. Their declaration, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They are announcing what all of humanity had been longing for since the moment sin entered the world. This may surprise you, but this wasn't the first time that God had walked among men. In Genesis, we're told that Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the Garden of Eden. And even after sin had entered the world, although they were officially evicted from the Garden, we see clear instances where God walked with his people. In fact, consider a man named Enoch. In Genesis 5:24, we read that he walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. It would seem as if God and Enoch had walked and talked together. It would seem that God always longed for relationship with his creation. Well, as Christ comes in the form of a little baby, we see God once again dwelling among men. And so the angels announce it because this is a big deal. This is a big deal, not just because God was coming in human flesh, but because this God was coming to bring salvation. Remember that the angel's declaration is not just that a baby is born, but rather a savior is born this day. In this statement, the angel is proclaiming Jesus's purpose in coming. He will save his people from their sins. By the way, Gabriel had already said that. Gabriel had already told Mary that that's what was going to take place. He will save his people from their sins. So on a night when the overwhelming majority of humanity had no idea of the significance of what was happening, we see a band of angels proclaiming the birth of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says that suddenly a multitude of the heavenly hosts joined in saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There's an old Christmas carol entitled, Go Tell It on the Mountain. You sang it earlier this morning. If I were to connect this message with a song, it would be this one, Go Tell It on the Mountain. They could not keep silent about what they knew. So here they are telling this good news to whomever will listen. Let's talk about their audience for just a moment. We're talking about shepherds. They're not the most socially attractive people in the world, not to mock them in any way, but you know the, the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist will later be described as wearing clothes that are made of camel's hair and a leather belt. And I, I kind of get the idea that he would have connected well with the shepherds. By the way, 
John the Baptist did not dress this way just because he wanted to connect with shepherds. Actually, uh, I don't know if you know this, maybe this is new to you, his entire, uh, his attire actually mirrors that of Elijah as found in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8. But it was no doubt odd, even though there was someone else who dressed like that before. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the way Josh is dressed today. It's not normal for people to dress that way, but because of this occasion, it is appropriate, so it's okay. By the way, today's his birthday, so I can kind of joke with him a little bit. So, Anyways, the, the point is that you have, you have John the Baptist dressing a little bit odd, and he probably could have fit in really well with the shepherds. Again, I told you they were socially awkward. They spent all of their time with animals, which had multiple effects. They likely struggled with their communication skills, and they may have even had some significant body odor issues. The worst part is that they probably didn't even know it. <laughs> I was with an officer a while back who was making a traffic stop. He approached the vehicle, and the gentleman rolled his window down. Before asking any other questions, the officer said, where's the marijuana? The individual tried to deny the presence of the marijuana, but there is a distinct odor that comes from marijuana. He had probably been around it so much that he no longer even noticed the smell. But when someone else walked up, they were sure to notice. By the way, he did eventually show what he had. Now, I don't think the shepherds were druggies, but I do think that they smelled like dirty, nasty sheep most of the time because that's what they were around. It just makes sense. But there was something of even greater significance about the shepherds in this particular story in this particular region. Historians tell us that the shepherds in this countryside often cared for sheep, not for their wool or for the food. Instead, they cared for the sheep that would later be offered as part of a sacrificial ritual. The lamb was perhaps the most common animal to be sacrificed among the Israelites as they tried to compensate for their sins. There was a sacrificial system that was in place long before Jesus comes as an infant. The sacrificial system required the people to offer a blood sacrifice to pay the price for their sin. What this means is that the very same people who had traditionally prepared the lamb for sacrifice, they are being invited to witness the lamb of God coming into the world to become the sacrifice for all of humanity. Sure, the culture would have seen these individuals as nobodies, but God saw great value in them. My, how they must have felt so honored and overwhelmed by what was taking place that evening. So what would they do about it? According to verses 16 and 17, we see their response. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Now, they're likely good shepherds, so I assume that they brought their sheep with them. But what I know for sure is that they eagerly responded to the news 
from the angels. And wouldn't you? A group of angels just appeared, just began to speak to you. They began to sing about this Messiah, this Savior that is being born. Would you sit back and just pretend that it didn't happen? Or would you need to go and see what was going on? I know I would. It wouldn't even be a discussion. They hurry off and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby and everything is exactly as they had been told. And my guess is that having been told by the angel that this is the savior of the world, these men experienced an incredible night of worship. As they gathered around this manger scene, it wasn't just, oh, that look, that's pretty cool. No, this is the savior that we've been looking for. This is the one who has come to fulfill what we've been trying to do for so long. Here he is. We've been trying to raise lambs to cover the price of our sin. But here's the one who will truly pay the price for our sin. I picture that stable being filled with an unfamiliar spirit to these shepherds. It had been so long since the people of Israel had experienced the presence of an almighty God so intimately. Now, maybe this sounds a little too charismatic for some of you, but have you ever walked into a place and immediately you recognized the presence of God? Maybe it was a worship service or maybe some kind of camp meeting, but you knew that this was a special place. That's what I imagine these shepherds would have felt that night. And then we see them doing the same thing that the angels had done. The angels had told the nearby shepherds of this incredible blessing. And now the shepherds would begin to spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. Again, they got it. They were going and they were telling it on the mountain or anywhere else that someone would listen. What a privilege them being able to be among the first to proclaim the birth of a savior. And we talk about the story of the wise men later on, and they'll come seeking out Jesus, the birth of this savior. But as they come, it is likely that Jesus was a toddler by the time that happened. I know I'm messing up your manger scene. Some of you guys have a manger scene somewhere that's got an angel, it's got shepherds, and it's got wise men all gathered together. The truth is the, the wise men don't show up until probably Jesus was a toddler. So that means not really at the manger scene. The first group of people tasked with sharing the good news that a Savior had been born was a lowly group of shepherds. They smelled bad, they were socially awkward, but uh, who cares? Do you wanna know what happened to us? An angel appeared and then we went and saw a savior that had been born. Well, the same privilege has been extended to you and I this Christmas season. Listen to the words of Romans 10, verse 13 through 15. It's not actually a Christmas passage, but it sure fits well in the deeper story of Christmas. It says this, 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember, he came to be the Savior of the world. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, Jesus came as the Savior. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, according to that passage, will be saved. That means that this offer is not just for the Jewish people, those with a Jewish heritage, not just for those who have been raised in the church, not just for those who are good-natured people, not just for those who are Americans. This offer is extended for all those who would call upon the name of the Lord. Jimmy came to me to ask if I had the right passage for him to read for the lighting of the Advent. Great question. Because truthfully, the first part of that is a very encouraging, uplifting passage, talking about a Savior who came and the salvation that is there for all of us. John 3, 16 is perhaps one of the most beautiful verses you'll ever find. But he didn't stop at verse 16. Instead, he read through verse 19, which talks about the darkness of our world and the fact that there is judgment and wrath that awaits those who do not know Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of John 3, Joel 3, excuse me, verses 14 and 16. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to his people. Know that the story of Christmas is all about a savior who came for humanity, but there is a decision that must be made. Just because he died does not mean that everyone gets in. It's not one of those things where everybody gets a free pass. You can live however you want. You don't have to worry about repentance. You don't have to worry about faithfulness to the Lord. None of that matters. Actually, it does. You see, here's the thing. We are in the valley of decision. And as we are in the valley of decision, God has promised he will take care of, he will provide, he will secure, he will rescue his people. Question is, are you one of his people? How can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach to them? On the night of Jesus' birth, the angels' knowledge forced them to speak out. They couldn't keep silent. This was too big. The shepherds' knowledge forced them to speak out. They knew that this was a big deal. The Savior had come, and it was exactly what the angels and the shepherds had seen, and they wanted others to know. And now you know. You know that the whole reason for this story is a Savior who came to offer you hope and redemption. And it's a beautiful story. It wasn't some almighty 
king being raised in a palace, but rather this was a little baby being born in a manger. Not celebrated by royalty, but celebrated by lowly shepherds, unimportant in society's eyes, but incredibly important to God. And this was a child that would grow to experience all of the things that we would experience as human beings. He would experience heartache, brokenness, love, celebration. He went to weddings. He saw people rejoicing when their needs were met. Jesus knew what it was to be a human being. That's still not the reason he came. He came to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. He came to be the one to offer his life as a sacrifice for you and for me so that we could be forgiven, so that we could once again be united with our God. That's what Christmas is about. Now you know. You know that Jesus' birth was foretold. It was announced to the shepherds, but it was also predicted hundreds of years earlier. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that's exactly the way it would happen. The name Emmanuel means God with us. So the Savior, Jesus Christ, would literally be God with us. But his coming was always about his going. He came so that he might live and die as a sacrifice for our sins. You know this. What will you do with it? In the coming days, I invite you to celebrate, to do good, to be generous, and to love. But the thing that I send you out to do today is to speak up. Go tell it on the mountains. Proclaim to the people that you love, to anyone who will listen, that the reason you celebrate this Christmas season is because of a Savior who came to the earth, died for our sins, rose again from the grave, and now we await his return. I remind you of the words of Joel, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Who in your life now sits in this valley of decision, needing you to speak up, go tell it on the mountain. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Will that be you? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, this is all about you. It's all about your grace. It's all about what you have done for us. Father, we celebrate the birth of a little child in a manger. I know that that's what this season seems to be about, but we know that it's so much more. We celebrate what this child would do. Father, thank you for allowing your son, Jesus Christ, to become the sacrifice for our sins. Father, I pray that you would allow this Christmas season to be real to each of us today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just 
want to ask you real quick. Maybe as, as we've talked today about the Messiah, the Savior coming for us, maybe for you this Christmas season is all about tradition. All throughout this series, we've talked about it. It's been all about tradition. It's all about doing good and all about being generous. Maybe there's someone here today who would say, Pastor, I don't think I really know the Savior that you're talking about. I don't know this one that would sacrifice everything for me. I don't know this one who would lay down his life just because he loved me, but I want to really bad right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Father, I pray for the one right now that just raised their hand, and I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. You tell us in your word that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right now we confess our sin and we ask you to forgive us. Introduce us to the grace that comes from this Savior that we're talking about this morning. Father, I pray for family members today. I pray for individuals whom we love very, very much, who perhaps they are not yet ready. Maybe you've already laid them on our hearts and we see these images in our minds, even as we pray this morning of who needs to hear this good news Lord, I pray that you would put words in our mouths, that you would allow us to go and tell it on the mountain or to anyone else who will listen to proclaim that there is a Savior who loves us, who cares for us, who desires a personal relationship with us and will come back to take us so that we can be where he is today. Lord, I pray today that you would enable us to speak boldly the truth of your love. For those who perhaps... This Christmas season has been less than what it ought to be. Lord, I pray that right now that would change. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the fact that you continue to hear your people and respond to our needs. Lord, I pray that you would help us to just seek you with everything that we have. In the days that follow, Lord, help us to enjoy family to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy great food, to enjoy all of the aspects of celebrating Christmas. But help us to simply draw near to you above all else. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I, I, I'm not done. Sorry, I know some of you are thinking, yes, he's done early. That's great. Uh, this Thursday, we are going to have our Christmas Eve celebration. As a part of our Christmas Eve celebration, we will have a great time of worship. And I wanted to uh, just extend an invitation in keeping with this particular message. Maybe God has laid upon your heart not just the opportunity to, to remember the way things used to be, but maybe an opportunity for you to share your story of God's redemption in your life. If there are two or three people who would be interested in that and you want to come and see me afterwards, I would love to hear from you. 
Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask individuals to keep it relatively short, uh, but I'm going to ask other individuals if they would just be willing to share their story of how Christ redeemed them and the work that God has done in their life as a part of our service this Thursday night. Uh, it's a part of going and telling it on the mountain, telling other people about the great work that God has done in us. There was a time in the church that people stood up and testified often. It wasn't surprising that uh, the pastor sometimes might not even get to preach. As the Spirit moved among the people and individuals began to testify and the altars filled up and sometimes the pastor never got behind the pulpit. Well, it doesn't happen as frequently anymore, but I still believe that the same God is still on the throne. And the same God is still creating new stories and individuals and changing people's lives. And the Christmas story is still coming to life in individuals. So I'm inviting you, if you would like to be a part of sharing maybe your story on Thursday night, I would love to hear from you this morning. Uh, it is a privilege to be a part of worshiping with you this morning, and my hope and prayer is that you will take this seriously. I have not encouraged you this morning. I don't know if you caught that. I did not encourage you. I did not just ask you or invite you. I am sending you out this morning. See, because that's what the verse said this morning. How can someone go? How can someone preach unless they are sent? So today, what I'm doing is I'm sending you out to go and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell your story. Go out with the power and the blessing of God and allow his spirit to work through you, maybe even proclaiming something in a way that you didn't even think you could do. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning. Go in peace.